It's your kali. What's up? Hey y'all, what's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bump and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start. Five, four, three, two, one. You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. Broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolo Kali in Little Village. I'm Marie. I'm Adrian. And welcome to our environmental show. So, what topics are we going to talk about now, Adrian? Well, we're going to be covering mostly about Little Village, how we're affected by the companies surrounding a lot of the area around here, the pollution in waterways, and, you know, other good stuff like that. And we also got a few interviews, and we're also going to have a little interview with a young youth here. I think you remember her. She's a little sister of the entire Yolkali, Mede. So we're going to have her. We're also going to have some interviews from Yolkali adults talking about going green. That'll be the first topic. Um, we also have another interviews along the way. We also have a live interview with uh, Nancy Meza uh, Elvejo. So that's going to be really exciting. But I guess we go into like talking about going green in Yolokali. Talk to me about the interview with uh, Vanessa. Um, Well, it was definitely short and sweet, so that was a good thing. She talked to me about how, you know, I'm pretty sure you've noticed now people wash the cups that we use, and we used to use plastic or, like, styrofoam cups here, how they've been trying to get, you know, recycling bins so they can actually start recycling more frequently than we already do. You know, that was about it. It was a pretty good interview. I liked how it went. Want to play the interview? Oh, yeah, sure. I guess we go ahead and play the interview then. I hope you guys enjoy. Can you give me your name? Vanessa Sanchez, 37. And what role do you have here at Yolo? I'm Yolo Valley Earthreach Director. And what kinds of changes has Yolo made in order to be more environmentally friendly? Uh, the biggest change we made is not having disposable cups. Um, so usually we have disposable cups for water for the students to, you know, drink. Um, and we took all those away, bought some like glass cups and mugs, um, and now it's up to the young people to wash their cups after they're done. Um, and then also with uh, cutlery, we don't have any plastic forks, knives, spoons, so that's another thing if they need to use it. They get the silverware and then they wash it at the end. Um, so those, those are the two biggest things. And then um, hopefully we're trying to get an actual uh, recycling bin so we can oh my god i really like the music for that interview not gonna lie but i think we like need to like re-emphasize like the importance of environmental show because like again like i don't want to talk about too heavy on the topics of like what we're gonna review because like it'll lose most of the importance if i talk about it right now but like yeah, like, it's environmental, it's the Earth, our world, our only, like, home, honestly, until we find another planet to live on. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, pretty crazy how much has changed just in, you know, a, such a small amount of time. We're already entering a whole other decade, yeah. and, well, it seems like, you know, everything's kind of going downhill, 
Yeah, I mean, there's like, as much as like most people want to like not pessimistic, but like thinking like a more optimistically. It's like we have like we just ended like an entire like decade, like 2020. Here we come, and like, like maybe like this is like the year to like actually start changing, actually like start doing things like more helpful for like everyone else and for our planet, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's people who've been you know trying to get more stuff implemented to actually help the environment you know there's been protests i think it was like a couple of months back where people were like protesting for more like environmental change and for governments to actually take more action yeah and i know like yeah. bigger companies have made a switch to go green and like doing like different packaging i know like uh what is it some companies like i think ikea had like switched to mushroom like not styrofoam but like mushroom packaging and it decomposes it kind of acts the same way as like styrofoam though mm. but it just decomposes and i'm just like that's really cool like big companies are doing a switch um, and i think like what we should be asking is like the actual youth back here i know we're gonna have a little interview with meta yeah because i mean you know we're gonna be here for a pretty long time but Meta's gonna be here even after we are yeah she's gonna be younger than we are when, when we're like you know good 40s she's gonna be like good no actually we're gonna be in our 30s we're gonna be like old and then she's gonna be 20 and then she's gonna be like i'm living my best life so hold up so do we have meta online not online but like in the station say hello meta hi i'm meta how old are you meta i am 12 years old oh my god you're so young i feel so old um how about we ask like how do you feel about the things going on in the world i feel like the things going on in the world is really crazy because i mean there's animals in danger and becoming extinct but i just feel like the things going on in the world is pretty crazy right now do you feel what is it that you could be more informed about things that are going on in the world yeah i feel like i can be more informed on what's going on in the world and are you scared for the future i know that's like really like scary question but are you nervous for the future that sounds like a better thing to ask i kind of am a little nervous or scared about what the future brings how are you as a 12 year old going green by trying to like recycle more stuff and trying like you know like how like the soda can sometimes like have the little circle things oh yeah that little recycle usually i cut those off where it won't be that harmful um, to animals in the, I think, ocean, I think. Oh. Oh, I get that. Oh, that's actually really nice of you, Meta. Yeah, you know, that's definitely something that we all need to think about. Yeah. When we're doing this. When we throw it away. Yeah. I really like that. But thank you, Meta. Thank you for your input as a 12-year-old for our future generation of young persons. Um, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Again, that was Meta. Um, I guess what's up next? Now we're going to be talking about the lack of green spaces here in the Little Village neighborhood. Okay. So basically, when we talk about lack of green spaces, we mean like, what is it? Public spaces, kind of like parks. We mean like um, gardens and stuff like that. And just like green places to be. And I know for a Little Village community, we only have basically Petrasky Park. And then we always have La Vita Park. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know if most people know, but like, what is it? La Vita Park used to be a super fun site, which basically means that like a lot of companies went there and like dumped all like different types of chemicals and like toxins into that ground. And La Vita, what that did to make it a park was that they like kind of, they didn't like dig it out, but they did like put cement over it, kind of kept it. That's why it's like all hilly and like mountainy a bit. Mm -hmm. 
but that's that and like a lot of people like kind of were mad that like it was in front of a jail but that was the only other place to put a park to call it La Vita and um and then for for Petrovsky, what is it? It's like right by um, Little Village Lawndale. And most people don't go there because there's a lot of violence going on there. And it's not, not really safe to go at like different times of the night, different days. But if you think about it, it's like those are the only two parks that we really have in Little Village. I don't know whether or not like people even go to them. Like I know I first, I don't really go to like either of those parks. Yeah, I really don't either. Um I know I've seen there's little areas where people put, like, community gardens. Yes. But even then, that doesn't seem like enough because they're so small. Yeah. I think there definitely needs to be, you know, more green space in this neighborhood. Yeah. Um, There definitely needs to be a lot of change made. And it's kind of, like, really sad to think about, like, like the only other times, like, we go to, like, a garden and stuff like that. It's, like, probably, like, not, I wouldn't say out of state, but, like, out of like little village and stuff mm-hmm. like that like because we, we don't see enough green space and it's like really sad and then we always have to like go through like a lot of precautions like for gardens because like again like some of the soil is kind of contaminated and you can't really plant anything in it without you taking it out and it also being contaminated like which is really sad yeah you know i mean i do enjoy you know living here but it's kind of sad to see that we don't have like you know more parks or more like green space garden areas because I go, like, other places and I see, oh, yeah, they have, like, big gardens for their communities. And they have trees and plants and flowers and everything. And it's like, why don't we have that here? I mean, yeah. it would be really nice to have it. I know for, like, other places, like, not I wouldn't say in Chicago. It's, like, more in the suburbs or, like, because I know a cousin of mine does live in the suburbs. And, like, they have, like, a bunch of green space and it's really beautiful to look at. Like, I know there was, like, a pavlon and, like, I don't even think that's how you pronounce it, but that like a lake and it was like really really like breathtaking in the summer and i'm just like i wish i had that in little village kind of like miss it i know i think what is it like me not being able to handle in a sense that like i wish there was more green space so yeah i really wish yeah you know i mean having like these green spaces would you know i think it would help the community people can collaborate to actually you know keep these places alive I mean, I think that's something that would be very good for the community. We would have, you know, fruits and vegetables for people if they choose to, you know, get them. Yes. And it's just, you know, it would, I guess, help clean the air in the area. Yeah. Because, you know, that's something that definitely needs to happen. The air needs to be cleaner because it's yeah. not as clean as it could be. And, like, plants, like, was it, like, for my school, I know we're, like, trying to work on this, like, long, not project, but what is it? It's called a mother-in-law tongue plant. Basically, it's, like, a plant that, like, takes out all, like, air pollutants out and it like produces like more like cleaner air it's kind of like a filter like but naturally mm-hmm. and i wish like more like companies well i'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about that just yet but like we're gonna talk about that more later but i was really hoping that like most companies like didn't like do like like pollute and if they did like to like have like a countermeasure for that like yeah. oh like we'll plant trees yeah, and like to kind of keep themselves accountable for whatever they're doing yeah and like like, they're still going to, like, pollute. Like, that's, like, a thing that's not going to change. But, like, if they are, then they might as well, like, have, like, something to be accountable, like you were saying. Yeah, definitely. I know for... I can't even think of much about anything, honestly. I could just think of that mother tongue plant and just, like, other topics to talk about later. Yeah. Could you possibly play a song? Oh, no, hold on. You were going to say something. No. Um, I think we can go into the song right now. Yeah, play yeah. the song. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. Yeet.
are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin Radio broadcasting live from Studio Y Yolkali in Little Village. Again, I'm Marie. And I'm Adrian. And we have a very special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Nancy Mesa, uh, organizer with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization here in the neighborhood. And we're going to talk to her with this topic called greenwashing and company loopholes. So basically what greenwashing is, is taking or making something of and or, oh goodness, you read the notes for that one, right? If I remember correctly, it's kind of like making it seem like you're going to do something sustainable. Yeah, sustainable, but it's going to you know be kind of the opposite of that the opposite it's like like kind of like false marketing or false advertising making it seem like oh it's sustainable it's eco-friendly when really it's not and it's also a practice like for some companies i know also had i'm I'm really blanking right now but for i know for some companies they're like oh we're gonna plant trees to like you know kind of like countermeasure like we were talking about earlier And they really don't do that. Or they'll say they'll go electric for some of their vehicles. They use a loophole saying that they're going to only go electric for, what is it, the forklifts? But all all the, what is it, for transporting is actually diesel trucks. How do you feel about that, Nancy? Um, I think you're definitely right. I think when we talk about greenwashing, a lot of the times it means that Whenever a company, um, for example, here in Little Village, we have Hilco Corporation who moved into the neighborhood. Um, And some of the things that they were saying to kind of make the project seem like a good project was, you know, we're going to plant all these trees. We're going to have solar panels in our building. We're going to have electric stations. But however, all of these things are not going to be required to be used by whoever moves into their facility. So again, just kind of using these really fancy words, these words that sound really nice, but actually they're not, they don't really mean anything when these items are not being enforced to be used. So I think you you hit it right on the, on the, on the dot. And speaking about Hilco, I know that they sent out a letter to like the majority of the community, like ex- explaining like they're welcoming to the like community. I know also when they were gonna, uh, they're still knocking down that uh, plant that they bought. Um, they were gonna use water trucks, I believe. I'm not 100 percent sure. That's what it said in the letter, at least that when they're knocking down that way no dust gets into the air but they didn't necessarily enforce it because um the city still sent out a letter to the community like oh to close your windows and to like not be outside when they're knocking the plant down i don't know whether or not like you were informed about nancy or adrian yeah i remember i got the letter i remember being home and my mom came and she was like she opened the letter and then i looked through it and i saw oh yeah we're gonna be doing you know bringing trucks so that the dust doesn't go into the air um, while we're actually knocking down the company. But it doesn't seem like I've seen trucks whenever I've gone by and they've been like working on bringing it down. Yeah. What about you, Nancy? Definitely a lot of people receive these letters. And I think the city of Chicago, the representative from the city, we had a public uh, community hearing this past August. Um, and at that meeting, people came through to the meeting to kind of understand where the project was at. Um, specifically around the remediation of the site. Um, so the Quaverco power plant is being remediated um, and knocked down, but the process for that has been really worrying for folks because when um, demolition is happening, people are not being let know of um, the times that this is happening, and we're worried that the debris and the dust that's coming out of the site is then um, being breathed in by community members. And to your point, when the city said that the people should close the doors, close their windows, and limit their time outside, that wasn't the answer that 
we were expecting. We were expecting them to make Hilco have a air monitoring system so that we're able to monitor whatever it is that's coming out of that site. But due to that and the pushback um, from community members, the city then decided to check on the space. I think it was like once a week because community pushed back um, and it was unjust for them to say that we should just stay inside. That's not just. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like kind of like irresponsible to like trying to like, like you're supposed to hold like that entire like company responsible for what they're doing and not like the entire community that has like no say or not no say, but like isn't responsible for what that company's supposed to be already doing. Again, like I completely and utterly agree. Like it's not like it was like it's, it's, it's irresponsible to honestly yeah honestly the city needs to hold them accountable and make sure that they're doing what, what they promised to do because well it's affecting the people who live in the area and you know it shouldn't really be that way if they promise to have well like these water trucks and like plant trees and stuff like that so that people won't be affected by whatever's going into the air yeah and then also like along with that like I'm not 100% sure whether or not they're going to hold their promise to, like, planting trees if, like, they didn't really hold their promise to have, like, water trucks and make sure, like, no dust and debris didn't get into the air. Now, that's, like, more false marketing if I'm talking about, like, greenwashing and loopholes. Because, like, along with, like, some loopholes, uh, Unilever and, like, that uh, company right next to Zapata, I know they were supposed to plant um, trees that way, like, it filters through the pollution, but the trees that they have there, like, saplings like it's not gonna like filter any like pollution um until they're like way older which is like way past when like all of us have gone gone to college or like graduated in this case yeah maybe even past that yeah definitely it doesn't seem like it's enough being done in the community to actually you know help the people who live around the factories and the children who go to these schools that are you know pretty close to factories where they'll be affected since they go there, you know, for a majority of the week. Yeah. And I know Nancy for Alvejo, um, when they were going to uh, build off Zapata, that new building, um, I don't know whether or not Alvejo was it like not enlisted, but um, like rallied not to build it. Can you tell me more about that? Um, yeah. So, you know, after we closed on the Crawford Power Plant back in 2012, we thought that our air quality was going to be um, so much better, um, and it was for a little while. But then we started noticing um, a high amount of diesel trucks in our neighborhood. And when I started noticing them, when, when they started passing through residential areas where I had never seen them before. I mean, then a lot of warehouses started expanding or just coming into a neighborhood. Uh, for Unilever, they expanded uh, or they proposed to expand back in 2015. They finalized their expansion in 2017. During that whole time, we were trying to understand what the diesel traffic in our community was, um, given that Little Village has an industrial corridor that takes about 44% of all of La Vita's land. Uh, we're also located right next to I-55, which makes it super accessible for um, transportation. So as we were figuring this out, Unilever expanded. Our worry was with the Zapata students, you know, um, there's a lot of little ones and children who are young, the, their lungs are still developing. So they actually breathe twice as much air. So they're consuming twice as much particulate matter. Um, particulate matter, um, when I mentioned that, I'm talking about um, PM 2.5, particulate matter 2.5, which is this tiny, tiny particle that comes off of diesel trucks. And because of its size, it's really easy for you to breathe it in to go into your bloodstream. 
um, and deep into your respiratory system and can cause a lot of health problems. So given that all these trucks were going to be located right next to the school, we were worried because we also didn't know if Zapata had the proper um, air filtration system to filter out all the uh, particulate matter. So when Unilever expanded, they donated three acres of land to Zapata for Zapata to expand because it was um, overpopulated. So they built an annex. And again, no talking about an air filtration system, an air monitoring system, or how they were going to lower the impact of um, the particular matter that they were going to be releasing. Um, so for us, when they were talking about planting trees and having, you know, when they talk about their jock, their electric vehicles, they're only really talking about four jockeys. They don't take into consideration the over 900 trucks that they contract through a third party. So they're not counting that. So for that, for us, that was really worrying because, again, our health was not being prioritized in these in projects like these. I honestly, like, again, thank you for uh, sharing that. It's just, like, it's really, like, because it's really weird how, like, oh, is it companies like those, like, like Unilever can, like, use loopholes, like, oh, we're going to go electric, and it's, like, only for cer- certain things. And then it's just, like, they go through a third party, like, that way it doesn't seem like it's entirely their fault or to like, cover it up in a way, but we're not really going to say that. It's just really interesting to think, like, wow, like, they really, and what is it, I guess in the slang, of course, it's just, like, wow, they really did that. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Adrian. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's unfair to us as a community. You know, I went to Zapata, and now my brothers uh, and my sister are still there. And well, it seems unfair to us and well, you know, like everyone who goes to the schools around these companies, because it doesn't seem like they're really taking into account the fact that, you know, it's small children who can be affected so easily by particles that are going into the air. Yeah. You know, like Nancy said, they're still developing. So these things are going into their body as they're developing. And a lot of times we won't know how it's going to affect the children and then speaking of industrial quarters which we'll talk about like right after promos um it's just like it's really interesting because like like the school's right there like right next to like an entire big company that has like a bunch of diesel trucks and then i know where was it little village lawndale high school like the campus is like right next it's like in the middle of an industrial corridor Mm -hmm. we're like surrounded by a bunch of polluting companies that also have diesel trucks coming in and out and as much as just like to think like oh these diesel trucks and stuff like that like but it gets really annoying because like there's so many of them coming and blocking traffic to get to school that we don't really think about like how much like what's coming out of the exhaust pipe like because like, there's just so many and i know like later we'll talk with uh nancy about like that project she did with uh one of the schools inside of little village lawndale it's like a diesel trust counting company but i know like we're gonna have to t- we have to like kind of cut short because of like a few things like we're really passionate about these things we really want to talk about them for a long time but like we gotta go to promos so let's play it let's hit it back and remember you're listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio y yolo kali in little village remember i'm adrian i'm marie and we have a very special guest 
Nancy Mesa from the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. And right now we're going to be talking about industrial corridors. So basically what an industrial corridor is, is a place that has like a bunch of companies and it's just, I don't even know how to also pronounce it, just like industrialized, honestly. It's just a bunch of companies and like that'll be it. There's like no residents usually and that's where industrial and that's where the corridor comes in. So usually just like other communities around that industrial place and... What is it? And what you know usually notice with industrial corridors are usually around for here in Chicago in the south side. Yeah, south so. side, like, you know, communities with people of color. You like was it uncannily, honestly. Um yeah. and I know for industrial corridors like uh what is it? For example, Little Village Lawndale, we're surrounded by a company called B Way. I don't know the rest of the companies, I don't really look. I know we're just surrounded. We're just in we're in the middle of the corridor. Um, Want to explain more about that, Nancy? Um, of course, like I mentioned before, Little Village has an industrial corridor of about 44 acres, which is about half of what our community size is. And these industri- I mean, industry has been in Little Village for a really, really, really long time. But these um, industrial corridors weren't actually established um, and set into boundaries until 1995. So that makes it about 25 years when these areas were created. And in those 25 years, no kind of entity from the city has really done any upgrading, any checking of the businesses that are there. So for in reality, for the past 25 years, the companies that are, that are operating in our industrial corridor have been able to do whatever they please because there's no entity holding them accountable for anything. Um, and Sylvia, you mentioned the the high school. The high school and La Villita Park are both inside the industrial corridor. And that is able to happen because there isn't a lot of language for our industrial corridor that can say, you know, certain facilities probably shouldn't be built in the industrial corridor. There's no restrictive language around health or environment, um, which is why they're able to operate however they want and then i know for again like for the school uh what is it like that was built on a super fun site because there was a lot of things going on that was like chicago and like was the community trying to build a school like that way kids can access and stuff like that and that's how what is it the little village Lawndale campus was built but the thing is, is that it was built right in the middle of an industrial corridor because that was the only land there and a lot of people protested on that land so the thing is, is like it's right in the middle. Like it didn't mean for it to be right in the middle, but we really needed a high school. Um, I don't know. What about your high school? Wait, hold up. Where's your high school? Um, well, mine's in West Elsden. Mm. You know, it's not really in an industrial corridor, um, and that's honestly something that's you know makes me see it more here in Little Village. Um, the fact that there's no real you know companies around. Um, where I go to school, you know, the air even smells different. The air feels different. It feels a lot cleaner than, you know, when I'm around Little Village because, well, there's so many companies polluting the air, you know, yeah. You just, it's just like, it's like a difference when you're, when you go to school and then you come here to like Yolo Kali. Yeah. I kind of feel bad now that you talk about it. Like, like I go to places that are like a lot, not, I wouldn't say cleaner, but like the air quality is a lot better and you're just like... (laughs) Yeah, and, and even breathe in for like a week and then you're like okay i gotta go back to school and just like wear a mask yeah and even then there's like i feel like there's a lot more parks in that area and i really i really don't know why maybe it's just because there's more schools but there's like you know by my school it's i don't remember what park it was but i know there's like senka park too 
um, Vidum Park, and there's like a bunch of more parks than there is here in the Little Village area. And, you know, that's another thing that, you know, helps the community. Yeah. Because, well, you know, air, the trees filter the air. And then I know here, like in Illovich, we have more um, like companies and stuff instead of that green space, like we were talking about earlier. It's just like got Unilever, which takes up a whole bunch of land that could have been a park, but you know they ended up buying it, and then they ended up making an expansion, and then the donating what is it that lands an expansion for that for Sabatha, which I get it. It was a little bit, it was overcrowded, so they used that for mixed space, which I make, which I can understand. And then for what is it? for Little Village Lawndale, but the th- bad thing about that is it has like not a lot of green space, but like we have a soccer field, we have a football field, we have a basketball court, like we have outside places, and then we were able to get a, a school garden. But the thing is, is that since like it needed to be like a raised, I wouldn't say a raised bed, but like like in its own planters, that way it didn't touch like a contaminated like land. But the bad thing is like since like it's all like we have all these outside space. Like, the thing is, is, like, see, we, we still breathe in all those toxins because, like, of all the companies that are around. So, like, is it really any better than, like, having, like, no space at all to, like, be breathing that in? I really don't think so because, well, one of my brothers goes there. And I know that they use, you know, the area around there a lot. You know, they run, um, like, their track team or the soccer team plays in the field in the back or, you know, people play on the basketball courts and they're still breathing everything in yeah it really makes no difference whether you know there's cement or like you know clean grass or whatever because they're still going to breathe in everything from the companies that are surrounding, surrounding them. in that industrial corridor yeah. and i guess like another thing is like students in the community affected like i know like speaking as like a student like that goes to little village lawndale like it's really like it's hard to breathe there sometimes when you go outside because like you smell it and then you smell like whatever toxins were in the, like polluting heavily that day. Like I know there's like a company like right beside us called like, it used to be called B-Way, but now it's called Malzer because like it joined the company, it was a whole thing. Um, like they produce this uh, or pollute this uh, chemical called toluene. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing about that chemical is just like it produces, like there's not a lot of, a lot of research on it on low dosage for like long periods of time. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no one has like done a lot of research about it. So, like, us just breathing it in and then it coming into the school and, like, what is it still being there because the ventilation system doesn't work as it should. So, like, it's still inside the school. We're still breathing it in, but at low dosage. But, like, thinking about it, like, how long do you have to be there in order to, like, experience the effects and symptoms? And it's a really scary idea. And it's to think about, like, the rest of the community. I mean, do you think that the school on its own or, like, the city is doing something to, you know, try and, I guess, improve... I guess the fil- filtering system? I I wouldn't really say, like, a filtering system. I know, like, what is it for the school and what is it along with Alvejo because we also have a club called Environmental Justice Club. Um, I know we were able to get, like, um, two... Um, well, not two. Wait, was it two? Yeah. Um, air, not filtration, but monitoring. I know one of them was for Purple Air, and it's, like, a live feed online that you can, like, Google, not Google, but type in your, like, address, and then, like, see how, you like, your air quality is doing, and it's just, like, it doesn't tell you what chemicals specifically are in the air, it just tells you, like, how well your quality is, and I know us is, like, a darker, like, I won't say a darker green, but, like, ours is, like, could be better, and then we also have an air monitor for inside, um, leveling POCs, um, PM, uh, I don't know what else, um, but just like it, it monitors like the inside, 
we noticed for a few parts for our school that like some places are a lot worse than others. Like for example, the gym and the lunchroom are the worst places for air quality. Every other like class is like moderately. Mm-hmm. But it's still weird to think like, what is it? Students are there, even though we're like, you know, young adults and teens. It's just like, we're still breathing that in and like imagine that for like long periods of time and still being in that community where it's still polluting. And then like those long term after effects when you're like an adult. Yeah. And I mean, we're still developing. We're not, you know, very, very young, but even in now we're still developing and we're still breathing that in. So it's going to affect us pretty hard in you know, in the long run. How do you think it's going to affect the community, Nancy? I think talking about B-Way specifically, um, they've been operating that same site through different names. There's been a lot of uh, company changes, but overall, it's been the same company. And actually, B-Way has had um, over 15 OSHA violations, uh, which means that people have been getting hurt in that company. Um, and we, when we were reading this, we thought, you know, maybe it's air quality related as we were doing some research it was actually people's limbs being cut off um due to machinery um and then on top of that we have you know you mentioned the toluene um but volatile organic compound um chemicals that are being released by that company um which are fugitive which means that their the system that they have in place isn't um filtering out those particulate um particular um particulate particulates um, so then, you know, when we talk about air quality, we're able to kind of tell what it is due to the um, low cost monitor sensors that we have. Uh, but there really isn't a way that we are, um, you know, understand the air quality inside um, because air quality inside, you know, it's trapped. Um, it cannot travel. Um, a lot of the air then stays stagnant inside. And we really want to understand what that then can mean for students health. Um, but also, when we talk about we B-Way, it's, you know, it's right next to the high school. It's right next to homes. It's right next to Petrowski Park, one of our local pub, uh, parks. So, you know, there's a lot of our community members who are being affected by this company. We had a hearing um, November 12th because they were going to do their air permit uh, program. And, you know, community members came through and they were testifying about their experiences with B-Way. And we had B-Way representatives there who didn't testify. We had a few other employees who did testify. And again, when we talk about these companies, we are attacking the source that's polluting. A lot of the times people might say, oh, well, you know, El Vejo's against jobs because we're going against these companies. But in reality, when we talk about jobs, we also want to understand um, what kind of jobs we deserve. Um, a lot of these companies like Hilco, like B-Way, like Unilever, hired through temp agencies. Yeah. Um, and we know these, that these temp agencies are not the best. Uh, people get robbed of their wages. They are mistreated. They are let go without notice. And these are the jobs that these companies are promising us. And, you know, as a community, we definitely deserve better. I completely and utterly agree. And what is it? We're going to go into more about the IEPA hearing and some interviews that I was able to get from it. But like, we're going to play a few songs. So I guess I hope you guys enjoy the songs because they do relate to the show and the importance of it. Bye. 
Listening to WOPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolkali in Little Village. So, again, like we were talking about earlier and before we played songs, um, the IEPA hearing. So, I was able to get a few interviews from a few of my local teachers and student. Um, one, but because not a lot of them went, but they were able to go to the IEPA hearing when I was not able to. So, I wanted to hear what they had to say. Um, what comments did they put in? What did they hear? What was there? Um, and I guess we could just like hear it right now. So um, here you go, listen to it. The official Illinois Environmental Protection Agency, or IEPA, held a public hearing on Mauser, formerly known as B-Way, on November 12th of 2019 at Potrowski Park in Little Village. During that time, community members were allowed to provide written and public comments regarding their concerns. Yolkali was able to interview a few who attended that hearing and what they had to say about it after. This is what they had to say. Name and profession? Amy Levingston, science teacher, Social Justice High School. Sue Nelson, um, I teach biology at Social Justice High School. Name, and what school do you attend? My name is Natalie Morales. I'm a senior here at Social Justice High School. What was the IEPA hearing about? Um, I attended the meeting because my AP biology teacher, Ms. Nelson, informed me about it. And it was interesting to me to learn about the permit process for the B-Way company? The IEPA hearing was, from what I thought, was to get commentary from the community to decide whether or not to issue a permit to B-Way, or what is now called Mauser behind the school. Turns out that it was more about giving a permit to the company and getting feedback on maybe, maybe how to change that permit. But I was not aware of that prior to the meeting. I really thought it was about whether or not that company should get a permit because it has been expired for three years. Um, so there was a meeting on November 12th at the Little Village High School campus where the Illinois EPA wanted um, community feedback about a permit that is being issued to the company directly to the west of the school called B-Way. They have not had a permit for about three years and the IEPA is going to give them a new one. And so they were asking for members of the neighborhood teachers, students, community members, people who are concerned. There were some lawyers and doctors there as well um, to share complaints um, and also to give feedback on what they thought um, some issues were around the permit or improvements that could be made to the permit. So there was people um, giving testimonies like stories and filing complaints and then also asking questions of the IEPA panel. There were three men there from the IEPA who were trying to answer questions that people had as well. So there was a little bit of a dialogue between community members and the panel. What was the purpose or goal for this hearing? So unfortunately, I think it sounds like the permit is going to be issued and it's actually already been written. I think the purpose was to get community input um, and to make sure that people were getting their questions answered that they had. I don't know if that necessarily happened, but I, th I think that was the goal. To answer the question, are we gonna issue a permit? I believe the permit's already been written. They were looking for feedback to make adjustments to the permit. Uh, so I guess it depends on who you ask. My goal for the hearing was to allow 
EPA officials to know how much pollution is coming out of the factory from a perspective of somebody who's living here, working here. Basically, I feel like this is my life right here. And so I wanted them to know what not only a nuisance it is, that's how the environment, like the EPA terms it, is a nuisance, but I wanted them to know that there's real concern about people's health here at the school. To get the public input. So it could have been like organizations, it could be just parents, teachers, anyone who wants to put their input as to if the permit process or if the permit should be renewed or not. Were there translators there? Okay, so in the beginning of the meeting, they mentioned how there were going to be Spanish translators. And throughout the meeting, I did hear like a very little bit, but I had no idea where those translators were. But I did know they some attend. I believe there was translating happening, and I think it was being done through headsets that people could get at the front. So there was no translating in terms of all of the speakers who went up to the podium and the panelists were all speaking in English. But if people who came in at the front wanted to get a headset to have it translated, it was being translated that way. I believe that there were people that had earphones in, and I don't remember who told me that. I missed the first 15 minutes of the meeting because I was, I was picking up my kids. Um, but I do believe that people had earphones in that needed earphones. I'm not sure how many people needed them. I know it was already, already mentioned, but the number of people at the meeting was not huge. I probably would say between 50 and 60 max. And so the people that were there, I don't think um, necessarily needed translation. To you, were the Spanish speakers able to get their point across? From what I seen, there was no Spanish speakers who went up to like put their testimony in. While I was there, I was almost there till the very end. Nobody spoke in Spanish. Everyone that went up to do the, the commenting spoke in English and all panelists spoke in English as well. Did you put in a testimony? Yes. I did not put a testimony. Yes, I did. What did you say? I think I just shared my experience working here the past seven years. I shared that like three out of the five days a week in the morning, there's normally a really strong odor um, and that it doesn't stop when you get in the building, that unfortunately our ventilation system is very close to where B-Way emits. And so a lot of those toxins are coming into our HVA system and students and staff are being exposed to that all day long. Uh, I also asked a question, one of the panelists mentioned that they were implementing an instrument that was going to capture 95% of the volatile organic compounds that B-Way is emitting. And I was curious about whether or not we could expect odors to decrease by 95%. And he said pretty much no, that there is no real way to manage odors in the permit. And that if people smell odors, that they have to file reports. But that doesn't mean that the permit is going to enforce any regulation of odors. Um, I talked sort of similarly to Ms. L. I talked about the fact that I've been here for 14 years, um, that when we started the school, uh, the smell was very intense every day, that it has diminished somewhat over the last uh, five years, but that um, it's very extreme. When you do smell it, it's very extreme. That my runners have often complained of headaches, of um, burning in their like burning sensations in their chest Um, I didn't mention it I wish I had that my husband also coached soccer here for 13 years um, and probably smelled it more than more than I do coaching because he coached later at night I talked about the impacts on kids health I talked about the number of students we have with asthma 
and like some of the really severe cases of asthma, how students, uh, it really impacts their, um, their schooling, that they're often missing school, they're often at the doctor, emergency room visits, things like that. And I have asthma. <laughs> did you ask questions? What questions did you ask? They basically told me that it wasn't their division. My question was, if they are gonna give a permit, can they provide a monitor for us? Because what I, from what I understand from what one of the EPA officials called me out later to, at, to tell me was that their division is not involved in enforcement. And so if they are going to issue a permit to them and they are going to be polluting, then I think that it's within our, more than within our rights, it's our responsibility to be measuring how much is coming out, especially because we know they're not a reliable company in the sense that they have multiple times over the last 10 years violated their EPA um, like levels, the levels that the EPA sets for them. Um, and sometimes not even just the levels, but they violated whether or not they report their data. And they've been fined for it, but the fines are very minimal. And so from a, like a community science perspective, I believe that it's our, like our charge to make sure that our, our school and our community are safe. And it's very hard to measure the VOCs. We need, we need basically somebody to come in and help us fund a monitor because they're very expensive. An outdoor monitor would be very expensive. Indoor monitors are expensive too, but I believe the outdoor ones are extremely expensive. Any like real responsibility to answer that question, I guess, from what they told me, nor um, any ideas like on how they did talk to me about enforcement. They basically asked me how many times I'd called the EPA in order to have more vigorous enforcement. What needs to happen is there needs to be, according to the official that was from Springfield, there needs to be a large number of complaints from a diverse number of people in order for them to start coming in here and, and like regularly testing. Um, you were able to ask questions. There were a lot of people who asked questions that this specific group of people couldn't answer since these panel members were only part of the permitting process. They weren't necessarily scientists um, or researchers. Their job specifically is dealing with issuing permits to companies and what that process looks like. So I think they were a little bit limited in what types of answers they could give, which which is really unfortunate and I think problematic because people want answers about what these chemicals do to us, what's the concentration um, that we should be worried about. And I don't think those answers were really given by the IEPA. I just asked about the odors specifically. Do you feel like the community was informed well enough for this hearing? Definitely not. I think a lot of the public speakers had a lot of questions due to the children's health and those questions were just totally avoided in the panel because the people who were there were part of the permit process only. So there was no like doctors, no people who were there that had the data shown. So majority of the questions were not answered at all. I think the people who spoke were very well informed about the issues and had experiences with B-Way. There were not a, a lot of people there though. So I don't think that the IEPA has done a great job of informing residents about this process and about how they can participate, but also about the dangers of, of living and going to school near industrial companies like, like B-Way. I think the people that were there had a reasonable amount of knowledge and that I would include me in that. I do think that it's a hard topic, um, and I pointed this out in my testimony, that it took me a whole summer of researching in an internship that I was in at UIC, researching the, the community, the factories that are here, what's being emitted from the factories to come up with where the smell is coming from. And I pointed out to the EPA that most people in the neighborhood who are working hard jobs 
a lot of manual jobs and sometimes multiple jobs probably aren't spending the time to research what the smell is that they smell in the morning or late at night. As a, as a science teacher, didn't research it until I had a whole summer to work on it. And I literally sat for an entire summer looking at EPA websites and doing trying to figure out what was happening in the neighborhood. Could people be better informed? Absolutely. Could I be better informed? For sure. It's, it's hard information to find. Some of the stuff I did try to find, I never have found. For example, indoor air levels of toluene, I still don't know what's acceptable. And it might be because it's not out there, because there hasn't been a ton of research on toluene like atmospheric toluene. There's a lot of information about high concentrations of toluene and what that does to you, but not at lower levels over long periods of time. Are you content with the end of this hearing? I'm not content with it just because I think the process is a little misleading. I think the fact that they already have, they're planning on issuing a permit and they just wanted our feedback was disheartening because we would like them not to get a permit at all and to be asked to move, right? But that process, this wasn't what that process was about. This process was we're issuing them a permit and we had a little input into, into what that permit looks like. The other thing that was really disappointing is it doesn't seem like there's a ton of enforcement. So... Although they're saying this is what we want to see. We want to see lower emissions. We want you to be doing all these things. When they violate the permit or when they don't follow those rules that are set for them, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of mechanisms in place to enforce that. What it felt like as an audience member was we're telling them to do these things, but if they don't, then they don't. And there's not much that we can really do about it. No. I mean, I I had high aspirations for like what, what could be achieved if the community came out. I would love to see that the factory shut down. I don't think there should be a factory right next to the school. I do think it's the first time that we've had any interaction with the EPA about this particular factory. I do think over the years the EPA has improved slightly in terms of their responsiveness to the community. They did come out and I think it was like 2011, 2012, sometime in that time and had a community meeting about some of the soil in the community. And when they came last time, they had no translators. Um, they were not ready to be presenting in the Little Village community, I do not think. Um, this time around, I felt that they came better prepared with more people. I think it's a step forward. Is it as much as I wanted? No. Remember, you're listening to WLPN, LP Chicago 105.5 FM, Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolokali in Little Village. I'm Adrian. I'm Marie, and we have a very special guest here in the studio. Uh, Nancy Massa uh, with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. Um, and actually, we're going to interview you, Nancy, finally. Awesome. Okay. So, I mean, you've already introduced yourself. What is Alvejo? Um, so Alvejo is a, a over 20-year-old organization here in the neighborhood. Um, and the work that we do is we organize with our community to accomplish environmental justice in Little Village and achieve the self-determination of immigrant, low-income, and working-class families. What is your job there specifically? So I am part of a three-people team, the Just Transition team, which kind of focuses on holding industrial companies accountable, doing the research for data gathering about um, our truck counts and their quality uh, in our in our neighborhood. Uh, what programs does Alvejo do, like internships or, uh, you know, like summer programs? Um, yeah, so Alvejo has um, an internship during the summer um, it varies from an eight-week program to a six-week program, uh, but these are programs where youth um, uh, from the community can apply and they directly work with organizers on our different campaigns. 
Um, as of right now, El Vejo has, of course, a, um, their air, a clean air campaign. Um, we have a food sovereignty campaign. We have a parque campaign. And we also have our um, youth educating um, campaign. Um, and these are all campaigns that youth um, work um, hand-on-hand with organizers that actually helps our campaigns move forward. What projects have Alvejo done? So we have about a 25-year legacy. Some of the work that we began doing was uh, we were founded out of Gary Elementary School back in 1994. Um, and we started because there was a group of parents who were really concerned about the retard of the height of the school that was happening, um, which was during the summer when children were still in school um, and they were experiencing a lot of headaches, dizziness, um, which was due because of the uh, odor of the product. Um, so parents were able to organize and move um, that process uh, for when students weren't inside the building, which was super helpful. Um, but then they started kind of asking themselves what what's going on in, in our neighborhood what kind of things are people concerned about so after that for about three years um these parents would um literally go door knocking they would knock on their um neighbors um doors and just ask them um what don't you like about the neighborhood what are you concerned about um and we did that for about three years and and then that's where our campaigns grew from so people were really concerned about our air quality. They were concerned about the lack of green space. Um, and they were concerned about um, the bus, um, specifically um, the 31st Street bus. Um, so these program, these um, concerns then prompted us into our um, 2020 strategic plan, which would target these specific concerns um, and try to work with community members to improve um, you know, their concerns in the in the neighborhood. And do you think it's important for people and the youth to learn and know about in the environmental injustices that are going on in our community? Definitely. Um, as a person who grew up in Little Village, uh, you know, a lot of the times when I was growing up, um, I live on uh, closer on the east side of the neighborhood. But all my life, I would see the industry, I would see the trucks, and just kind of normalized it. Didn't question it. It has always been there. You know, it's probably always going to be there. Be there. Um, but as I started getting um, more acquainted with Huelvejo was um, through one of their gardens, Semillas de Justicia Garden, I started to learn, you know, about the specific garden. It had been built on top of a brownfield. You know, I started learning about our industrial corridor. I learned where environmental justice was. And I also learned that, you know, communities like ours, uh, which is low income, immigrant, community of color, suffer from many things, many injustices that communities up, you know, for example, in the north side, where, where communities don't typically look like ours, they don't necessarily, you know, have to go to school um, in a high school that's located in the industrial quarter. They don't have to cross streets where, you know, there's a high density um, of diesel trucks. They don't have to go work um, in companies, you know, who do, don't pay them well. Um, so then I just started really getting mad. Um, but in that process, I wanted to learn more about being more proactive. What can I do to help my community be better? Um, 
And so, um, you know, as a youth, then I it was really important for me to learn and disseminate that information to my friends, uh, to my family who, you know, it's 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 a privilege to learn because, you know, our families are dealing with a lot of things. A lot of times when we do have community meetings, there's not a high turnaround. Um, and we understand that because people are working two or three jobs. They have to make sure that they're taking care of their family. Um, you know, so a lot of our information gets disseminated word from word. Um, you know, if a person comes to a meeting, they uh, download all that information and they share it to their friends and families and neighbors. Um, and it is through that kind of way that we're able to share information um, and youth have been at the forefront of all of our campaigns. We were able to shut down the Crawford Coal Pirate Plant because youth were able to come together and fight that fight with us. Um, so just historically, youth have been the, the, the majority of who've pushed our campaigns forward. And we've had some ama- amazing wins because of the youth in our, in our campaigns. What can we do as youth uh, do for the community? I think, you know, educate yourself, form yourself, ask questions, stay curious, um, don't normalize anything, don't settle for things. I think, you know, we're at a a really crazy place right now where, you know, we're going into a new decade. There are people telling us that we don't have a long time to live if we don't, um, you know, start living sustainable lives. Um, So I think, you know, just also learn, unlearn and relearn and just, try to be a, a good um, advocate for, for the planet. You know, when we talk about our environment, it's, it is the trees, it is the polar bears, but it's also what surrounds our communities, right? It's our schools, it's our homes, it's our parks, um, and how are we able to um, kind of um, come into these spaces and advocate um, for better things. And in what ways do you think we as youth would be able to help inform, you know, the older generations that may not have as easy access to this information? Um, I think, you know, a lot of this information, um, like was, you know, for example, the B-Way permit, it's a lot of technical wording that is really difficult to understand. So if you are a youth who, you know, has a strong calling for technical documents you know can you do the work to kind of translate that into a way that um community members can understand right we you know a lot of the times when we talk with these really fancy words we can break them down in the city um you know entities um use this kind of technique to keep people uninformed um and it's not because we don't want to be informed we just don't understand um so if we can do the work to kind of um make um, resources more um, available for people. That's something that we can definitely work on. Um, I think as a youth, you know, there are there might be times where older folks are, you know, because they grew up in a different growing up setting. They, it was more restrictive. You know, I think there's always going to be maybe like a misunderstanding. But as long as we're able to kind of come back to the table and just keep the conversation going, um, I think it's a can be a big step into moving together at, to a better place. Do you think what is it as youth being a part of a community of like different types of folks? Do you think 
what can we do as a community to help the environment? I think we already do enough to help the environment. I mean, I grew up in my home where my mom would reuse the Tupperware, where we would put water on our soap, where we would reuse the bags. So just continuing to do that. And I think, you know, we, we can definitely do things to help the environment a lot more. And also, we should not only, we shouldn't be putting all that burden on ourselves when there are multi-billionaire companies who are not being held accountable. Um, you know, we talk about the straws and, you know, turtles. there are, yeah, the turtles, but also there are people with different disabilities who might need to use a straw. Uh, but then we're not really having these conversations of these multi-billionaire industries who are, you know, polluting all they want, but are not being told to stop. They're not being regulated. So then all that burden then falls on us, which is not fair. I completely and utterly thank you so much, Nancy, for letting us interview you. Now we're going to listen to a apology called Dear Future Generations, and I hope you guys enjoy. Dear Future Generations, I think I speak for the rest of us when I say sorry. Sorry we left you with our mess of a planet. Sorry that we were too caught up in our own doings to do something. Sorry we listened to people who made excuses to do nothing. I hope you forgive us. We just didn't realize how special the earth was. Like a marriage gone wrong, we didn't know what we had until it was gone. For example, I'm guessing you probably know it as the Amazon Desert, right? Well, believe it or not, it was once called the Amazon Rainforest, and there were billions of trees there, all of them gorgeous, and... Oh, you don't know much about trees, do you? Well, let me tell you, trees are amazing. I mean, we literally breathe the air they are creating. They clean up our pollution, our carbon. They store and purify water, give us medicine that cures our diseases, food that feeds us, which is why I'm so sorry to tell you that we burn them down, cut them down with brutal machines, horrific, at a rate of 40 football fields every minute. That's 50% of all the trees in the world gone in the last 100 years. Why? For this. And that wouldn't make me so sad if it weren't so many pictures of leaves on it. You know, when I was a child, I read how the Native Americans had such consideration for the planet that they felt responsible for how they left the land for the next seven generations. Which brings me great sorrow because most of us today don't even care about tomorrow. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry that we put profit above people, greed above need, the rule of gold above the golden rule. I'm sorry we use nature as a credit card with no spending limit, overdrafting animals to extinction, stealing your chance to ever see their uniqueness or become friends with them. Sorry we poison the ocean so much that you can't even swim in them. But most of all, I'm sorry about our mindset because we had the nerve to call this destruction progress. Hey, Fox News, if you don't think climate change is a threat, I dare you to interview the thousands of homeless people in Bangladesh. See, while, while you were in your penthouse nestled, their homes were literally washed away beneath their feet due to rising sea levels. And Sarah Palin, you said that you love the smell of fossil fuels, 
Well, I urge you to talk to the kids of Beijing who are forced to wear pollution masks just to go to school. See, you can ignore this, but the thing about truth is, it can be denied, not avoided. So I'm sorry, future generations. I'm sorry that our footprint became a sinkhole and not a garden. I'm sorry that we paid so much attention to ISIS and very little to how fast the ice is melting in the Arctic. I'm sorry we doomed you, and I'm sorry we couldn't find another planet in time to move to. I am. You know what? Cut the beat. I'm not sorry. This future, I do not accept it. Because an error does not become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We can redirect this. How? Let me suggest that if a farmer sees a tree that is unhealthy, they don't look at the branches to diagnose it, they look at the root. So like that farmer, we must look at the root and not to the branches of government, not to the politicians run by corporations. We are the root. We are the foundation. This generation, it is up to us to take care of this planet. It is our only home. We must globally warm our hearts and change the climate of our souls and realize that we are not apart from nature. We are a part of nature. And to betray nature is to betray us. To save nature is to save us. Because whatever you're fighting for, racism or poverty, Feminism, gay rights, or any type of equality, it won't matter in the least. Because if we don't all work together to save the environment, we will be equally extinct. Sorry. You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolkali. In Little Village. Again, this is Marie. I'm Adrian. And we have a beautiful guest. Nancy Mesa with the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization. So basically, we talked about a lot of different topics this uh, show. We talked about green spaces. We also talked about going green in Kali, um, greenwashing industrial corridors, um, how we're affected as people and community and as students. We also played a lot of different songs. Um, I hope we were able to emphasize the importance of taking care of the environment, of taking care of this planet, like... I don't know how else to explain it, like, other than just being important. Yeah, definitely. Going into, you know, we're going into a whole new decade. We're ending the year. 2020. And yeah, definitely something needs to be done before, you know, like, we just heard it in this poem. It's not, you know, a mistake until we choose not to do anything. Yeah, like, it's we, not too late just yeah, yet. We still have a chance to actually help turn things around from where they are right now and there's definitely a lot of people trying to you know advocate for this like you know Greta Thunberg Greta uh, Thunberg yeah yeah she won person of the year for times and she's been trying to do a lot of work to you know advocate and try to come up with new policies and try to get um what's it called to influence uh the governments around the world to actually consider coming up with new legislation to help the planet yeah yeah. and then i know like other like um what is it children activists like autumn and others and i can't remember their names i'm so sorry but like that like that look exact like look like us like colored and it's just like it's so amazing to think like children are like are like a lot of people want to use excuse like oh they're kids they don't know anything yet but they're kids like like and they understand more than like what is it the politicians do like what is that what is that saying about like how like the government works like if they can understand it like just fine then you should understand it too yeah because well i'm pretty sure they realize that 
they're going to be here for a much longer time than these politicians are. And they want to have something happen before it's too late. And they're the ones who are going to end up, you know, suffering yeah. in the long run. Yeah. And I like to think that, like, what is it, like, in these communities, for example, like Little Village, like, we're kind of, like, doing stuff already that's, like, sustainable. Like, after going to the supermarket, reusing that plastic bag or, like, what is it, saving the Tupperware, like, what is it, Nancy was saying. Like, little things like that, like, make a really big difference out in the world and stuff like that. Even though, you know, there could be, like, different things that we use, like straws. Not going to even mention, like, what is it, saving the turtles. Like, we got to save those turtles and, like, other species in general about all the plastic waste that we use. Yeah, and I mean, here in Little Village, um, you know, recycling cans haven't been in alleys for very long. You know, there wasn't always these recycling bins for people to use. And the fact that there's recycling bins now for every house to use is a very good thing because before we'd just throw everything away. Just everything away, knowing that, like, some of, like, that water bottle has, like, some potential to be recycled. Yeah. And I wish more people were a little bit more informed about that because I know in my household, like, we still throw away those plastic bottles even though they can't be recycled. And I know, I I think it was a period of time, I'm not going to get too much into it, but, like, where they took away the blue <laughs> bins and then they put them back for like a uh, a period of time that was like kind of significant and my mom's like why did they take away the blue cans and then like pay, put them back i'm like yeah because like we were misusing it and then they took it away because we didn't deserve it like this is what we get for not ha- like like this is why we can't have nice things because we don't use it and then they brought it back and i'm like now i make sure we actually do recycle so that's yeah i mean once you're educated about it and like you know what you're doing and like you're informed about most of these topics you're just like yeah like i know what i'm supposed to be doing now like i wish like more people were like that and like didn't like i know it's difficult to like learn but like once you like understand i think you can like flourish from there yeah you can definitely make a difference no matter how small something is like recycling you know it's pretty easy to do you know you don't have to be super you know educated about it but you know just a simple act of instead of throwing it away you throw it into the recycling bin you throw in your cans and stuff into the recycling bin yeah that'll definitely make a difference in the community and think about like single-use plastics like um how yo kali was like going green like using more like glass and like metal and just washing and stuff like that like it'll be a big difference in the long run instead of just like constantly throwing away forks and constantly throwing away straws yeah i definitely now it takes a lot longer for us to fill up that trash can yeah and then even with uh, Meta, when she talks about, um, uh, what is it, when, uh, oh my god, I'm trying to think, like, because, like, glass and stuff like that, and then also, like, just, like, washing after, um, oh god, Meta had said something, I just, like, oh yeah, for, like, what's, like, the six packs of, like, what is it, like, um, sodas, like, yeah, like the like little the rings that it comes in, like, to cut it. And so that's like just like little acts like that that like what does it make a big difference out and like to like even though it probably will end up in the landfill probably in the ocean it probably at least it doesn't get caught around someone's like throat in the ocean yeah it's like little yeah. things like that yeah. um <laughs> i didn't think for it to go so long but thank you i wanted to give a shout out um to all the people that we had like alvejo what is it alvejo staff lvhs nancy thank you so much nancy um vanessa for being interviewed for like yo Kali staff um also um shout out to miss nelson at social justice high school thank you for letting me interview you you're like a really good biology teacher um 
I also want to thank uh, Miss Le- um, Amy Livingston, Miss Nelson, uh, Miss Livingston. I really want to thank you. She's my chemistry teacher at Social Justice. Thank you for so much for letting me interview you. Um, Natalie Morales, um, that's a senior at Social Justice. Thank you for letting me interview you as well. I know it was really uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, but nervous and stuff like that. Thank you for letting me interview you anyway. Um, is there any? Oh, shout out to Mede um, for letting us interview you, even though it's like you didn't want to be used as like a youth, but a young young youth. But thank you for letting us uh, interview you anyway. Um, got anyone to shout out to? Um, not really. I definitely want to thank Mede. I don't, you know, I don't go to Little Village, um, but definitely I want to thank them. You know, um, they gave us their input. Um, and it's definitely good to see the views of a lot more people who live in the community and who go to school in the community. Um, that's definitely a good thing. And um, do you want to uh, shout out anybody, uh, Nancy? Um, shout out to you all, <laughs> uh, the youth uh, running this programming. I think it's really amazing. Thank you for uh, building a platform for information to be disseminated um, and for these topics to be really relatable. Um, and you all are talking from your experiences. Um, so thank you so much for having us here. We're really blessed to be working with with youth like you all. Um, so please keep on doing the good work because it's, it's needed. Um, and you all are helping create change. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Nancy. you so much. And I think lastly, we went on to like shout out to the youth that are actually helping the environment, who would care about the environment, who are making like Vis- visible changes like to like help better the earth we want to shout out to you especially um and yeah right. this is our goodbyes bye everybody and yeah like that was the show again you're listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from studio Yokali in little village again i'm marie that's adrian or want to say yeah I'm, I'm adrian yeah bye thank you so much for listening to our show everyone have a good day no flask can keep it Bubble up and cut right Hello, it's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, amazing, astonishing, highly amazing (gasps) production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be working on the next one here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned to our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, astonishing, highly amazing broadcast. I hope that you are informed about the awesome parts of life and that you will have a splendid day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolokali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokaliartsreach.org for more. We are the robots. We are the